Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. CeraVe Facial Moisturizers with SPF protect skin against damaging UV rays and continuously deliver three essential ceramides to help restore skin's protective barrier so it can lock in moisture. Non-greasy, fragrance-free, and won't clog pores? With CeraVe, skin feels hydrated and looks healthy all day. CeraVe Facial Moisturizers with SPF from the number one dermatologist-recommended facial moisturizer brand. Welcome to The Health Podcast, a new season from BBC Good Food. I'm Tracy Ray, Qualified Nutritionist and Health Editor here at BBC Good Food. In this series, I'll be your host as we explore the world of health and wellness through a series of interviews with renowned and innovative experts across the globe, where I'll be seeking out some of the best practical tips and advice they have to offer. Remember that all content provided here is for informational purposes only. If you have any questions or concerns related to your personal health, you should first seek the advice of your local healthcare practitioner. You're listening to part one of our two-part episode with Dr. Megan Rossi on supporting your gut health. Dr. Rossi, also known as the Gut Health Doctor, is a practicing dietitian and nutritionist who is passionate about empowering others to take control of their health and happiness from the inside out. A leading research fellow at King's College London, Megan is currently investigating nutrition-based therapies in gut health including pre- and probiotics, dietary fibres, and diversity. Today, we're going to be discussing what having a healthy gut actually means, what it looks like, and the things you can do to support yours. Hi, Megan. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks so much for being here. 
So I'm going to jump right in and I want to start for anyone who uh, doesn't know you, if you can tell me a little bit about yourself, um, a little bit about your background and what drew you to the study of dietetics and nutrition. Yeah, so I, for those who haven't picked up, I am Australian, <laughs> slightly. Uh, so I grew up actually on a farm in Australia um, where, you know, we were you know, living off the land, so to speak, having fresh fruit and veg. So I really just always have been so enthused about food. Um, and then my mum was actually a science teacher. So she, I think, really instilled in me a bit of an inquisitive mindset where we were, you know, playing um, science games in the backyard. So what other job is perfect for, you know, bringing food and science together is essentially dietetics. Um, perfect combination. Yeah. So from the farm, uh, you know, left, left all my friends, went to university and here I am. Oh, amazing. So you're living in London right now. You studied in Australia and what drew you over to the UK? The gut. The gut. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, so it's certainly a lot of people think, oh, the gut's not, not the most sexy of a topic. So it certainly wasn't back in the day when I first got into it. Um, <laughs> But, you know, I guess how I kind of, my first relationship with the gut actually was really quite a negative one. Okay. So my grandma um, actually passed away of bowel cancer uh, okay. in my final year studying nutrition and dietetics. And I was really close to her. So it had such a big impact on me. Um, so, you know, essentially I hated the gut initially for putting her through, you know, the chemo, the surgery, et cetera. And then after I graduated, I started working in the hospital setting with all different types of conditions, whether it was diabetes, you know, different types of cancers, um, uh, etc. And what I found really striking is that so many of my patients were coming to me complaining of the gut. And I thought, gosh, what is it about this organ? I feel like it's haunting me. <laughs> like, yes, I got my grandma had gut symptoms because her disease was in her gut, but why are these other people complaining of it? And it was 2010, so not a whole lot of gut health research really emerged at that time. So I, you know, thought I really owe it to my grandma and to my patients to kind of try and understand more about this somewhat misunderstood organ. So that's when I dived in to do a PhD in the area to look at whether we nourish the gut through the right nutrition, whether that in turn could have the health on other organs, like things like our mental health and our pancreas mm -hmm. and all the other things going on in our body. And fast forward the PhD, so the three-year clinical trial, actually it blew all of our minds. In fact, we found that absolutely nourishing the gut through the right nutrition can have very far-reaching benefits. So it's not just about the gut symptoms, it's about things like our mental health and our heart health and things like that. And I was very fortunate also to be the nutritionist for the Australian Olympic synchronized swimming team and found the girls with the most performance anxiety also had the most number of gut issues. Mm -hmm. So I think that was really important to find that it wasn't just in this disease state, the gut was having a central role, but you know, in elite athletes it was. And it was at that point, 2015, I thought, you know what, if I'm really going to help people, you know, live their best lives, it's going to be via the gut. So mm -hmm. that's when I looked around the world, who was doing the most innovative gut health research? And it was King's College in London. Um, so I, I begged them for a job and was very, very fortunate to get one and really was only meant to be coming here for like a, a year or so. But so many amazing opportunities have arisen um, with the research world. I, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't go home much to my mum's disgust. <laughs> Amazing. That's such a wonderful story. And it's, 
it's so interesting what you say as well about gut research because I think you know at the moment gut health is quite a sexy thing in in a way in terms of like it's the it topic and everybody's talking about it but you know back in 2010 it really was something that was only really looked at when there was a symptomology um you know with that it wasn't really looked into as much in terms of how it relates to the rest of the body um and i think that's why a lot of the the research we do have on the gut is so fascinating because it's just like another another paper comes out and there's another connection and there's another role and it's just it's fascinating but it's also massive expanding and it can be a little bit overwhelming not only for clinicians and researchers but I think um, particularly for people in the general public that are being told hey guys you should look after your gut health and they're thinking okay well well that's great but what does that mean so the gut what actually is it so if we yeah. think about you know gut health it actually relates to the functioning of our entire digestive tract so we all have nine meters curled up inside of us this big nine meter long tube and along that nine meters essentially is what we consider gut health and why it's so important for absolutely everyone not just those with gut issues, it really comes down to three reasons. So the first one is, you know, the good old saying, you are what you eat. Kind of not that correct. It's more you are what you digest. Because no matter how healthy the food you put into your body is, if you don't have a good gut lining, you can't actually get that food from your gut to be digested and then get into your blood to feed things like your skin and your hair and your other organs. So really to make the most out of your food, you need to have good gut health, good gut lining. Mm. That's the first one. The second one is something that I think a lot more people are conscious of at the moment, that 70% of our immune system lives along that nine meter digestive tract. And that's certainly why we see people with good gut health also have stronger immune systems uh, because they, you know, they're in the same place. They live together. So you're nourishing the gut, you're nourishing the immune system. It's, it's the same um, kind of grouping, but it's really this third element that is the landmark scientific discovery it's really what's brought the fame, I think, to this, you know, area. And that's the fact that we all contain trillions of bacteria along that nine meter digestive tract. And it's these bacteria that literally is changing what it means to be human. I mean, you know, we thought so much of what was happening in the body was just down to, you know, human metabolism, things like vitamin production, hormone production. But actually what we're finding is that these microbes, these bacteria actually are doing so much of that for us they can produce a lot of our b vitamins you know they can produce different hormones and control hormones mm -hmm. and that is what's so exciting about it all is that these microbes inside of us you know are doing so much for us and we can actually influence via what we eat and how we treat our bodies the types of bacteria that we really nourish and grow mm, that's such a good description of that i was just thinking you know it's almost like the bacteria are the managers and we want to learn how to be the CEO so we can tell them how to get in line and how we want this factory to work. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it, people should be really empowered by this and not you know, fearful that they've got these bacteria because you know, we can control who lives in us via the way you know, we're, we're nourishing them. Exactly. And that's why I love, I really, really love hearing old age saying about you are what you eat. But actually the reality is that you could have you know, we've all come across people who eat 
absolutely what we might consider a perfect diet. It's organic, there's vegetables, there's fruits, everything's prepared from scratch, but they don't necessarily feel well. Um, and I really love how we're moving this conversation around health and particularly kind of nutrition and, and eating and lifestyle into the place of, you know, yes, what you're eating is important, but the most important thing is how you're feeling as a consequence of that. So let's look and see what's going on to figure out how we make you feel good from that. And as you know, and a lot of other clinicians know, um, a lot of that comes down to that digestive system, that gut health. Is your body absorbing all of the nutrients um, from the foods you're eating? Are they breaking down the foods properly? Are, is it causing inflammation? All of these amazing things. So I love that you, that you mentioned that because I think it's such an important message for people to take away when we're talking about gut health. Yeah, absolutely. Because you can have the most perfect gut health diet, but if you're not sleeping right, you're super stressed and you're not moving your body, actually those three factors independent of diet impact the types of microbes you have living within you. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as boring as it is, it is a whole lifestyle kind of focus rather than just being like, I'm going to follow this diet and then I should feel amazing. You know, Lack of sleep actually means our microbes get a lack of sleep. They don't work efficiently in our body because of that reason. And I'm sure we'll go into more things about stress too. Absolutely. And can you talk a little bit about some of those areas that in particular you've seen very positive effects pertaining to gut health? So what are these kind of lifestyle aspects that, that do have a very um, good impact on our gut? Want to be more active this summer? Sierra helps you save on everything from swimsuits to stand-up paddleboards, tennis rackets to fishing tackle. And if that doesn't float your boat, we also have pool floats. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Yeah, so besides diet, and, and when we talk about diet, you know, one of the key principles is just trying to add in a few extra plants here and there. Mm. It's not about cutting out and, you know, having a very boring diet. You can still enjoy all the different flavors you like. So when we think about gut health, it's more about what you're adding into your diet yeah. rather than what you're excluding uh, in your diet. But diet aside, we certainly do see that things like getting your seven to nine hours of sleep each and every night really can have a positive impact on the types of microbes in your gut because like the human body that have a sleeping rhythm circadian rhythm so do our microbes mm -hmm. um so if we're disrupting ours we're disrupting theirs and you know i know it's easier said than done about you know getting more sleep i'm a new mum. i know that you know sleep uh, deprivation is sometimes unavoidable mm -hmm. but there are you know very simple strategies about improving your sleep hygiene and in fact in my book eat yourself healthy um some of my colleagues from king's actually did a clinical trial um, looking at this sleep hygiene protocol and it's got nine steps to it and what they did is they randomized people to following this protocol, uh, I think it was a four-week uh, clinical trial, or the other group just got told to sleep more mm. without any strategies. And following these simple tips show that it significantly improved their sleep quality and therefore how they felt and things like that. So my colleagues were very lovely in terms of letting me uh, include that protocol in my book. Um, but for, the, you know, for those listening, the simple strategies include things like as soon as you wake up, exposing your face to light, and that helps your, your circadian rhythm. Um, things like having a worry diary, you know, just jotting things down that's brain dumping essentially, 
couple mm. hours before bed. Uh, and there's, you know, several other strategies, you know, quite simple ones that really can improve, you know, your quality of sleep. And then when we move on to stress, we know that things like just 10 minutes of mindfulness um, each and every day can have a huge impact on people's gut health, particularly if they're more vulnerable to gut symptoms. Um, because we know that the gut and the brain are constantly communicating. And then the, the third element about the exercise, you know, it, you don't need to go to the gym. You don't need to go for a run, but literally going for a walk, particularly mm. if you can, like in a, in a foresty area, again, that's been shown to have very positive impacts on your, on your gut health. Um, so there are so many simple things and it's not about tacking all four areas, your diet, your sleep, you know, your exercise, uh, and you stress all at once, if it's overwhelming, it's literally just choosing one or two little strategies mm. and implementing them and, and seeing how over time it makes you feel so much better. It's about health and happiness from the inside out. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think, you know, it's, it's breaking the science down into realistic strategies as well, because as you said yourself, you're a new mom. And so, you know, even as someone working in this area who, you know, you know how to eat right, you know how to support your body, there's probably going to be times where you have less sleep than optimal, but maybe you can pick up on some of the other practices to kind of really support your gut from the other side when sleep isn't as much of an option. And it's the same in, you know, for people who might be super busy at work at the moment and they're quite stressed about something. You know, I think it's, very difficult when you're told, well, stress impacts your gut. So you just need to not be stressed anymore. And it's just, it makes you more stressed, doesn't it? When you get told not to be stressed. Exactly. Exactly. And it's just not realistic. But I think again, when we talk about all of these global contributing factors to your gut health and, and your health in general, it kind of feels like, okay, you know, probably not going to get every single one perfect all the time but it doesn't mean that I don't need to do anything there's still things that I can draw on um which is brilliant and I also like I also liked the bit that um you mentioned around the exercise because it's something that's come up quite a few times um on this series so far um around that um kind of exercise piece because again I think sometimes we think more is more is more when it comes to exercise but really it's about fitting it into that that picture um you know in terms of if you're already really stressed then yes exercise is still important but you're saying things like going for a nice walk ideally in nature can still benefit your gut health and it's not going to kind of throw that stress hormone through the roof Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's about breaking down to those, those simple sort of strategies that, you know, I think it's important that we do reflect on what the science is telling us. Like, mm-hmm. has there been a clinical trial to show that things like, you know, 10 minutes of mindfulness works? And if it does, mm-hmm. then translate that. And that's, you know, exactly my, my whole principle. In fact, I historically thought that, you know, mindfulness and things like, you know, yoga were a bit hippy dippy. Yeah. As a scientist, I was like, nah. But now there's actually been clinical trials that have actually shown in independent research that these sorts of strategies around the, you know, sitting and doing breathing techniques, doing a gut-directed yoga flow, all those sorts of things can actually have significant impact on how people feel. Um, Things like their focus, their stress levels, their gut symptoms. So I find that, you know, incredibly empowering to see that we have 
the science to show that we are making meaningful difference rather than just saying, oh, try this, try that. You know, the evidence-based approach is what works. So let's follow it and embrace it. So switching over then to the dietary applications, I do want to get into some more specific um, gut conditions with you in a little bit. Um, But talking about just general gut support, so where there's no pre-existing gut conditions, maybe we get a little bit bloated sometimes or, you know, um, you experience some constipation or, you know, whatever that may be. But generally speaking, gut health is completely fine. What are the kind of dietary factors that we should be considering to support this system on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, that just quickly reminded me because I know a lot of people are probably thinking, actually, how do I know if I've got good gut health? Yes. Because, I mean, that's, that's another one. And, um, you know, sadly, there is no, you know, single assessment mm. for gut health. Um, but when I was writing the book, I did kind of pull together all of the science, kind of what are the key areas? And there are essentially 10 questions um, that I get people typically to fill out so they can scale where their gut health is currently at from a score of zero to 20. And again, it's all free available you know, on the website. We can link it um, to the podcast. So people have a bit more of an idea about you know, how healthy their gut is. And the questions are things like, are you on a restrictive diet? How stressed are you? How often do you get sick? Are you taking medications and things like that? Um, so that was just a bit of a tangent, but it just reminded me because you were saying about you know, if your gut health is generally really good, it's people like, well, how, how actually do I know? Um, but yeah, yeah for, the, for the general person who feels like, you know, they're not having any specific gut symptoms and they're feeling quite well, the science shows that really in terms of the diet, the way to really maximize your gut health is simply about the number of, of types of plants you're having in your diet each and every week. So this was based on um, some research which looked at people who only eat 10 different types of plant-based foods a week versus those who eat at least 30 different types of plant-based foods a week. And what they found, those who had the 30 had a more diverse range of gut microbes, gut bacteria, which is linked with better overall gut health and, and general you know, lower risk of chronic diseases. So my key principle really there is about trying to get in as many different types of plants in your diet as you can each week. So What we call, you know, when we talk about plants, a lot of people think, oh, that's just like your fruit and veg. But actually, there's these six different plant-based food groups. You've got your whole grains, your nuts and your seeds, your fruit, your veg, your beans and your pulses, and even your herbs and your slices count as as, uh, different types of plants. And I call these your plant points. Um, Uh So what I, I try to get people to think about is how many different types of plant points you're having a week. Are you hitting your 30? And you know, it's not about being overwhelming and having to buy extra food or more expensive things. It's not about that at all. It's about, you know, whatever you're having for breakfast, um, why don't you add a teaspoon of mixed seeds onto your breakfast and you get, you know, three plant points there. Instead of just always getting your steamed broccoli, get your steamed stir fry pack and you get an extra, you know, three different types of plant points. So it's just these little switches that you can make in your diet. And the reason why, I guess this, the diversity is so important comes back to the fact that just like humans, we all have different taste preferences. So do our gut bacteria. So if we're eating just the same sorts of plants each and every you know, day, then we're only nourishing certain types of gut bacteria because the ones that like broccoli are going to grow. 
but yeah. the ones that like cabbage will die off if you're not eating cabbage. Um, and what we want in our gut is as many different bacteria, because that means as many different skills that they have to offer as possible. And that means feeding them all of their favorite foods. So that's where the diversity bit comes in. And I probably, I probably should have mentioned for those who might not understand why plants are important to the gut is because of this thing called fiber. So I think everyone's heard of fiber, but the, you know, the important thing about dietary fiber and really is why we need to focus on that a lot more is because fiber, which is like the backbone of all our plant-based foods, it's in all of those, those six plant-based foods I described, human cells can't actually digest it. So when we eat these plants, it goes through most of our nine meter digestive tract undigested. So human cells can't, we don't have the enzyme to break it down. So it gets into the lower part of our digestive tract, that 1.5 meters, where the bacteria then have these special enzymes to break it down and ferment it. And that in turn produces these beneficial chemicals, which is one of the ways the bacteria are having this real health uh, impact on our bodies. So essentially fiber feeds the gut bacteria. We find fiber in our plant-based foods, and that's why we need to really diversify our diet so we get all different types of fiber to feed all the different types of gut bacteria. Mm, that's wonderful. And I think, again, you know, because as you're saying, if we think about our gut bacteria as a diverse population and they all have different dietary preferences, so all of those different plant foods that you're bringing in, they're feeding all of those different bacteria, creating the diversity, which you're saying is, you know, clinically shown um, to support your gut health and minimize risk for a lot of the conditions that we're seeing associated. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And you know, it's not about plants only. And I think people get really yeah. confused about this because in that clinical trial that I highlighted about those who eat more different types of plants have better gut health. They also looked at whether, you know, being vegan made people have better gut health. And they found that actually whether you were omnivore who also eat animal products versus vegan, that didn't determine whether someone had good or better gut health. The key defining factor was the number of different types of plants people were eating. Yeah. So I think, again, that is really um, empowering. People don't need to go on all these restrictive diets if they don't want to. Absolutely understand the environmental and animal cruelty reasons and cultural reasons mm -hmm. of why someone might want to be 100% plant-based. But when we talk about purely for health and good gut health, you absolutely uh, can still enjoy, um, you know, all the types of foods that, you know, your taste buds do require. It's just adding in a few extra plants here and there. Absolutely. And I think that's a really good um, point because a lot of um, clinicians can, can often use the term plant-based um, because obviously we're seeing in the research that, yes, plant diversity is so important, but sometimes that can get translated to an idea that, oh, I need to be 100% plant-based. But plant-based just really means that you're eating a nice variety of plants, you're including different things in your diet every day. It doesn't mean that you're taking anything um, away or that you have to not eat anything that you enjoy. Um, it just means that you're conscious of what you're including. So I love that you, you put that in there as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and, and this is my second book coming out. I've got a whole chapter on what actually is plant-based because people, you know, that's what we all assume. If it's plant-based, it's like, oh, it's, you know, vegan, it's going to be really bland, but it just means the base of your diet is plant. You add whatever you want on top of that. Absolutely. I mean, in terms of, you know, if you really think about it in an ideal world, we would all be plant-based. 
um, but we just get to choose the, the varying levels that we do so. <laughs> Actually, there was um, there's an amazing bit of research which was undertaken um, by you know I think it was 16 different countries brought together all of their lead researchers and were looking at what is the ideal diet uh, for not only human health but the environment. So they kind of looked at all those factors and actually what they came up with as this planetary diet wasn't 100% plant based. Um, actually, did include small amounts of animal products because they looked at the the kind of nutrient density of animal products and you know if we're going to be completely honest some of the key nutrients our body needs is much easier to get from animal products mm -hmm. you don't have to have animal products um but things like our b12 and and calcium and iron it is more accessible in some animal products um mm -hmm. so they looked at that and obviously it the amount of animal products was a much lower than what we're currently eating. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, it still did include a little bit because they were looking at balancing health and the environmental factors. Absolutely. And I think, you know, I love the fact that the, the conversation has been open up and we are getting to this place that we can talk about what we know to be quite healthy and nourishing both for gut health and, and general health, but there's also options to be kind of unique and make something that works for you and include your tastes and preferences because that's so important as well. Like to enjoy your diet, enjoy your food, have fun, so, so important as well. You've been listening to part one of our two-part episode with Dr. Megan Rossi on the BBC Good Food Health podcast. We had such an amazing conversation with Dr. Rossi that we didn't want you to miss a second of it. So we've split it into two parts. Stay tuned for part two next week. For more information, visit bbcgoodfood.com forward slash podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you get your podcasts to never miss an episode. 